0: Hey all you sports and health nerds out there, it's Jacob here. If you are having trouble finding an exercise routine, trying to find a good diet plan, or just looking to change things up, might I suggest checking out 8minutefitness.com. There are multiple articles to click on to meet your health and exercise needs, learn about basic exercises for beginners, read about the best green superfood, and also the best sports drinks to order at a gas station, even exercises for fishermen trying to perfect their cast, and much more. From experts to beginners, 8-Minute Fitness is for you. You're listening to the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. Welcome back to the Locker Room Sports Media podcast. My name is Jacob, his name is Matt, and it is Wednesday, August 30th, 9:50 p.m. here in wonderful Springfield, USA, and we are here. It is here. We are 3 two days away from the opening kickoff of the 2023 football season for the Kansas State Wildcats. And oh my gosh, it was a quick summer. It was a hot summer, but we made it through. And it's going to be a hot opening kickoff for those who are going to the game. But first, Matt, how are you?
1: I am beyond excited. We are about 72 hours away from kickoff. It's going to be a good one. Um, It's going to be hot. So I, I will say, even though we are sad that we cannot make it for the first game, it's probably a good one to miss, considering it's going to be Ninety nine degrees by game time, and that's at six o'clock at night. So, we we'd be missing the heat of the day. So during I 8. did
0: I did see on Twitter, there's calls for people uh, for the university to move the game back to like eight o'clock. And I'm like, that would make for a long day for some people. But yeah, maybe you gotta do what you gotta do to watch out for people's safety. And and like you said a minute ago, before we started, I guess people are dropping their ticket prices for the the game on Saturday because the, it's just going to be so damn hot. So look for our tickets. They're on there since we don't get to go on SeatGeek. row seven, section 15. It's a little plug for us. Um, it's very exciting time of the year uh, games starting tomorrow. If you check out our H2H Twitter page. There's going to be a bunch of tweets coming out in the next couple of days for predictions for the net for week one. Um, and then yeah, let's just jump into it. SEMO week one. Um, Matt, what do you have to say about SEMO so far? <laughs>
1: they are a very experienced football team. They won nine games last year, I believe, and they are they are a playoff team, and they have, a, again, I've mentioned this, they have a lot of returners, and they are a team you cannot look past. In fact, you can't really look past anyone anymore these days, considering the transfer portal. and Old news that we've talked about, but it's
0: just you can't take any opponent light, lightly anymore. That's a good point, too, because there's the transfer portal, and we've talked about it plenty of times in the podcast. It has made it, it has had its negative effects on college football to where it's kind of a lot harder for internally these teams to develop these players. It's hard to keep players to stick around, but the parity of other teams across the ncaa as a whole has has grown immensely. You don't just have a bunch of shitters here and there because all the best players are on alabama and lsu and ohio state. They they don't stick around if if they know they're a great player, they're going to go play somewhere else because yeah. they don't have to sit out. So they're going to go play at I mean, Jacquardier, right? perfect example. He's playing at Missouri State. He's going to be playing at KU on Friday. But he was a K-State running back who probably saw the writing on the wall that he wasn't going to be the guy at K-State, but he was still a talented running back. So he transfers to Missouri State and has had plenty of success at Missouri State. And now he gets to go on the road to play KU at Lawrence. So uh, and that's a great point that you bring up. And and that's something I want to dive into here in a minute, um, the history of Chris Kleiman versus FCS schools, but SEMO last year went nine and three. Um their their uh, FBS opponent, Iowa State. Of course, they got routed 42 to 10, but they still went nine and three against a very solid FCS schedule. Um uh, number 17 Southern Illinois, they won that game. Um Murray State routed them. Uh, and then their loss in the FCS playoffs to number 17 Montana, who is a very good football team in the FCS level, so can't ever take these FCS schools lightly. Semo uh, is returning their uh, their quarterback from last year, junior quarterback Paxton Day Laurent. Let me share my screen so you can see what I'm looking at, Matt. Mm-hmm. So he's a he is a junior out of Camdenton, Missouri, not too far from where I am. Uh, tw- uh, 2,684 passing yards in the 2022 campaign with 19 touchdowns and six interceptions. So kind of reminiscent of, uh, you know, a team that uh, doesn't make too many mistakes and State is, State will have to come into the game and play a solid game and not, not rely on an FCS opponent to make mistakes because Claire, they have a seasoned quarterback that's going to come in and he's going to probably play uh play free and play easy throughout the whole game. He's got nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing with these these uh, FCS opponents. It's like you think about 2 years ago when we played Southern Illinois at home. They gave us fits. They gave us a tough time. I think we only ended up winning that game 24 to 21 or something.
1: No, we won.
0: We won by a f- touchdown, but they were coming back. But they um, they took the lead. 31 to 23 was the final. Mm-hmm. But when Skylar Thompson, that was when he went down with his ACL tear, or whatever it was, his knee again. And uh Will Howard came in, and that was Will Howard's second stint as a backup quarterback playing. And K-State struggled with an FCS opponent. And then you think back to Um, All the way, and we talked about this last week, uh, Eastern Kentucky back in 2011 gave K-State a run for their money. And K-State was a very good football team in 2011. Um, And then you go, you fast forward to 2013, North Dakota State obviously beat us at home. So K-State is known for scheduling these really tough FCS opponents. You can't take them lightly.
1: No, and it kind of started, like, there was very few upsets before 2007. It kind of, yeah, it kinda of started when Appalachian State went into the big house in two thousand kind of started that kind of started that um possibility of these little schools beating up on beating these big schools. And if you remember that back in 2007 when Appalachian State went into Michigan, number five, Michigan, and Michigan was supposed to supposedly go to the national championship that year with Chad Henney was a quarterback at the time, fun fact, the f- famous backup quarterback for the Chiefs. And they got they got outplayed and beat. In the big house, so that kind in of the big house, game. yeah. So that was a I still remember that.
0: I was in a fourth grade, and I remember remember watching that. Kate, they came on. So um, and Michigan was like kicking a field goal to either win or tie it or something to win, and, and yeah, they're down by at, two. And Appalachian State blocked it and returned it for a touch. Or I don't know if they returned it for a touchdown, but it was just bedlam. <laughs> but I mean, it was similar, similar to your point college basketball in the NCAA tournament, one 16 seed takes down a one seed. And now another 16 seed took down another one seed this past year. So they just see, they see it happen one time Mm -hmm. and they realize that it's not impossible.
1: So, Mm -hmm.
0: and that's why, and that's why it's good for bigger FBS schools to play FCS schools is to get them to realize like, Hey, you're not immune to these you know, getting beat as you think you are too. Yes. And there are plenty of things that they're just tune up games, right? They really are, but -hmm. you still got to come out and play and realize you cannot be making these mistakes. Maybe you might be able to get away with a false start or two against SEMO or whatever SPS, FCS school. But you know, you're down by a touchdown on two minute drill on the road at Texas this year. And you need to score a touchdown and it's third and five can't be doing that you gotta learn and that's the thing about FCS FCS games learn from your mistakes right now don't make them when it really matters and of course we want to win the game so and then so another point I wanted to bring up Chris Clyman's record against FCS opponents of course this is only his fourth opponent um skipping over 2020 against Arkansas State of course we don't really count that year for anything. Uh 2019, K-State whooped up on Nichols State 49 to 14. 2021, we briefly discussed 31 to 23 against Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois, not a bad football program for FCS. They are always competing. I've seen them come to Springfield a couple times to play uh, Missouri State. And they're
1: always ranked too. They're
0: pretty solid. Yeah. They were ranked last year to start the season at the very least. Um, so Chris Kleiman 3-0. Last year, of course, a routing um of of South Dakota and South Dakota, not a bad football program in the FCS level. Um, However, I think, I think they ended up not having a great year. Um, I would like to see K-State. Let me ask you this out of the, uh, the teams in the FCS level, who would you like to see K-State schedule in the future? North Dakota State. Again? (laughs) I do. All right. What about.
1: Well, the Jackrabbits just because. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. But I'd like to see old climbing. Take on his old. I mean, it's nice to have. I think it's. I think it's kind of advantage for Chris Kleiman because he's he's his coach the FCS level. He's won multiple championships at the FCS level. He knows. He knows what they bring in. He knows what those teams bring in, and they're extra motivated. Probably he probably warns his team like, hey, don't ever overlook this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's typically a lot of just big boys who grew up on farms and mm-hmm. get down and get down in the trenches and outwork you basically and that's how they win. They have to be the FCS schools when they win they have to be incredibly disciplined and they just outman you basically. They're mm-hmm. not gonna out talent you but they will outman you. Yeah. So K State versus SEMO this Saturday at six o'clock at Bill Snyder family stadium. hope everybody that goes to that game stays cool but I'm kind of I'm gonna say you're it drinking again
1: water man. while you're drinking alcohol yeah seriously
0: Oh, last year, side story here real quick. Last year at the two lane game, as treacherous as that day was, it was also like a hundred degrees and it was what is it, a two o'clock game or something? Or was that eleven? Yeah, I don't it remember. Was
1: one. It was like one.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. It was a weird time, wasn't it? But we I, I it was third quarter or something, and we were just having a terrible time because we weren't playing great and it was hot like so hot and people around us were passing out. There was a guy behind us that just fell forward and it was not but a good deal. His he yeah, he... That. Mm-hmm. So he, he had to go get, I don't know what happened afterwards. He went and got medical help. I think he was okay. Um, but that, that heat will get to you, especially in that, um, in that uh, I guess that would be the, the East side in the student section and in the Southeast corner you're going to be looking into the sun the entire day so and then if you're tailgating throughout the day that's going to make it even worse so definitely drink a lot of water
1: drink water with your alcohol please because alcohol drains you
0: so uh definitely do that (laughs) okay um matt oh i we have to do final scores we have to do round two of final scores yeah yeah pull up my spreadsheet real quick In the meantime, did you watch any games this past weekend?
1: I watched Notre Dame beat the hell out of Navy.
0: Oh, that game was not fun. I watched about a quarter of it.
1: Yeah, I was pissed.
0: <laughs> well, go ahead and give me your score prediction, and I'll just write it down and type I it in will later. I
1: say, uh, I'm just going to give a little brief summary of what I think is going to happen. I think... Missouri, Southeast Missouri State's going to come in tough. Their coaches, Southeast from, Missouri, yeah, Southeast Missouri yep. State's going to come in or South, yeah, whatever, is going to come in tough to play. Their head coach is from Kansas, from Silver Lake. That's where a lot of my buddies are from, and he went to Fort Hays State and played there. And he brings in. He's a good coach. I think K State will pound the ball. A lot. I'm not necessary. I hope they don't do the. Snyder don't show anything in the first game of the year. I hate yeah, that. No kidding. I don't. But if you control the game, I don't blame him. I think K State will pound it with Giddens up the middle a lot and just wear them down. and I think K State will win. You know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they're gonna put up 52-17. 52.
0: That's a lot of points.
1: Yeah, but if you listen to Will Howard in his uh, interviews this week. Colin Klein wants 50 or more points each game, so I'm going to hold okay. two for the first week.
0: You know, that's a good point. I I haven't been listening to those interviews, but yeah. I'm, not sh- I'm not sure they're going to be able to put up 52 points. I think they're going to get up really big in the first half and then put their backups in the second half, and it's going to be similar to last year, but I don't see a shutting SEMO out. Um, I will go with 42 to 14. No field goals, and then let's go ahead and talk about the. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the depth chart real quick. Um, it, uh, quarterback was basically what we talked about. It's a Jake Rubley will be the backup this year, but they have talked about Avery Johnson being, uh, a potential backup. I I don't know. I didn't hear anything about him being redshirted potentially. So Avery Johnson's still in the fight for the running for the backup quarterback, um, something that we talked about on the previous podcast. Anything else uh, on here standing out to you, Matt, as far as the offense goes?
1: No, I'm I'm literally – I'm really excited to see what our receivers can do. Our offensive line is going to be stout. All of them are back. We should handle them up front pretty well. But I want to see what the receivers – there's no really – There's you don't have Malik Knowles kind of – you don't have that one guy that really stands out besides – Phillips Brooks, and he's in the slot position, but I'm looking forward to the
0: Iowa transfer Keegan
1: Johnson. See what
0: he's yes, all about. Absolutely. I, I've i been seeing highlights of him all week and he looks like a stud. Mm-hmm. He, he made, he made people look silly at Iowa. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to, I think it was cocaine Willie guys, or I'm not sure. Maybe it was Bosco boys, but they were saying that Keegan Johnson will fit in nicely into that role <laughs> that, uh, That uh, Malik Knowles had put him on those jet sweeps and just let him run. Um, So I'm I'm pretty excited for that. Bless you. Thank you. So, how do you feel about the running back uh, depth chart? It looks like Giddens is number one right now, but it also has Trayshawn Ward. I'm kind of assuming they'll use DJ Giddens more in the red zone and then Trayshawn Ward in the open field. Yeah, DJ
1: Giddens is just, he's just, he will run at your face. I think. I think he's going to have a hell of a year because he, again, we talked about this in other episodes. He did so well last
0: year. I think Giddens is going to be one of the most underrated players on the team. Yeah. And I I don't know, maybe I I think Bosco boys has definitely talked about it, but other than that, I haven't seen much else about him on online. He had like 600 plus rushing yards and a bunch of touchdowns behind an all behind an all American. Yeah, he's good. He's and he's only a sophomore, and he's probably gotten, you know, I, I don't know what his what his stature was like last year, but I bet you he's added a bunch of muscle since last year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm very excited about that. Um all right, let's move over to the defensive side. Uh, nothing really standing out to me. Uh a lot of returners. Uh Khalid Duke, Brennan Mott. Uh, Daniel Green, Austin Moore, Jacob Parrish, he'll fill into that role nicely at cornerback. He played a lot last year as a freshman. Kobe Savage coming off that injury last year. I'm very excited for Kobe Savage. He's going to be very good. Um, so, all right, Matt.
1: Will uh, will K-State um, score
0: something on special teams? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to say Yes because I don't think they the did punt. um opening kickoff opening kickoff for the start of the 2023 season Touchdown.
1: I'm going to go with a punt Philip Brooks is he's a good punt returner I'm going to go I'm going to That's with
0: true. It. They they've been inclined to take the ball to start the half or to start the game if they win the coin toss so do you think they'll continue with that with that this year or will mean, they start to defer well, more often?
1: I don't know how do you feel about that? Sometimes I, I guess it just depends if you're winning or not. If you want the ball, you know what I mean. It just really depends on what the
0: yeah, dude. If it if it's me, defer to I the defer. second half every single yeah. time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Put your defense on the field, get a stop, and then just go kick ass with your offense. I mean, it literally like it's all about it's all about game planning throughout the first first half. If you can start the ball with this uh if you can start the second half with the ball it doesn't matter if you're up by a touchdown or down by a touchdown it gives you such an advantage because if you could score before the half if you're up by a touchdown and then go score again then all of a sudden you're up three scores or if you're down by a touchdown before the half go score a touchdown or get a field goal tied up and then get the ball back and score again it's such a momentum flipper i mean think about the tcu game last year man k-state was up so much... I don't remember what the score was. They were up a bunch of points. TCU basically took all the momentum right before the half and then scored again to start the second half. And all of a sudden, it was a brand new ball game. thats I mean, that's just example A of... prime example of why it's so important to defer to the second half. So that's, that's what I would do.
1: No, I think you're going to take the ball, especially in this game.
0: But... Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if they're gonna change their philosophy at all in an FCS school. They might as well take the ball and get your get your offense on the field. That's a good question. Listeners, go to our uh Twitter page, go to at the lecker room, follow us there. Um We never did shout outs, Matt. Do you have any shout-outs? No, I, I promise
1: next one I will have one. I keep forgetting, dang it. We haven't done them in a while. We were
0: really good at them. I know. <laughs> Let's see. I will shout out my brother-in-law. They have their first football game this Friday, and it's also his birthday. So happy birthday to you, sir. Who they playing? The Circle football plays at Labette County. And cool. I'll, I'll actually be driving through there, so we're going to go watch and then pick up my sister and then drive back to Wichita um, for that wedding this weekend. So. Good, good, good long weekend. Labor days. Labor day coming up. Yes, sir. All right. So I know I texted you this earlier and we kind of discussed it over phone, but let's go ahead. Let's let's go ahead and talk about the top three and we'll just do running backs, top three running backs during the Bill Snyder 2.0 era. So who was your number three?
1: No, number three, I'm going to go with John Hubert.
0: John Hubert? Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: John Hubert uh, played uh, for that Big 12 championship team yeah, 2010 probably, through 2013.
1: And he probably would have had – I mean, Colin, we do remember his quarterback was Colin Klein, so he got, ha- he got most of the carries, so – and he was kind of an under. He was just a tough ball player. He probably could have gone higher, in case they ran different offense and it around the quarterback all the time. But Johnny Hubert, a lot of times, was a leading blocker for Colin Klein or yeah. a bootleg fake guy. But um, I'm gonna go. With John. I'm gonna go with old Johnny Hubert.
0: And that was such a run heavy team in 2012 yeah. too. John Hubert had 15 touchdowns. Yeah, didn't have. He didn't eclipse the thousand yard rushing marker, but it's run run heavy as as they were. I mean, he was very effective as a running back, 5 yards to carry in 20 and in 2012 and then and then uh played a big role in that 2013 team as well. Who's was your number 2 running back. I'm going to go with Alex Barnes. Okay, Alex Barnes, 2015 through 2018. We saw him uh break that huge run versus OU at home against Baker not, Mayfield. Yes. That, that was that was a legendary run because wasn't it the first play of the game or first run of the Second game or something? Player, something like that? And he just but, breaks uh, this 60-yard run and we're all just going crazy. We're like, we're going to beat Baker Mayfield, beat the shit out of OU. And then it just yeah. turned, in, it turned into a dogfight game.
1: But, uh, no, Alex Bonds, he played when K-State was really kind of going towards one-dimensional. Defenses knew what we were doing, but Alex Barnes was still very productive, especially in Snyder's last year. He had uh, 1,300 yards, and he scored 12 touchdowns, and he was just a strong man from Pittsburgh, Kansas.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And number one running back of the Bill Snyder 2.0 era.
1: People will forget this, but he was a stud. Just go watch on YouTube. He had moves that were insane. He could cut the hole like no other. I'm going to go with Daniel Thomas, 2009-2010, when Snyder first came back. He was, the law that time, especially in 2009, he was the offense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they they had him. So he he came in as a quarterback, and they moved him to running back.
1: He was a Juco quarterback.
0: And um, he got drafted to the NFL, briefly played for, I think, the Dolphins.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: he had 1,500 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns in 2010. He was basically our entire offense both those years. Uh, 2010, Carson Kaufman was our quarterback. And then, uh, oh, man, that was the uh, pinstripe bowl year where – uh, who was it that saluted the fans that screwed us on the two-point conversion? <laughs> <Adrian> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I still remember that. Watching that game, I was so mad because we finally came back and we're about to tie it up and then we get a stupid unsportsmanlike penalty right before the right before I mean, the two-point conversion.
1: In his two, two years...
0: Oh, are we good? Yeah, you back on? Yeah, that was weird. In his two years, that's all I heard. Oh yeah, in his two years,
1: he had th- over he had over three thousand yards, all-purpose yards.
0: Yeah, he was a beast, man. And he had he broke like the single-game rushing record against uh against UCLA game one in two thousand ten. If I if I heard that correctly, while well, I was re-watching that game today,
1: so. <laughs> I've watched it actually recently, and it, we were UCLA was good, and so I mean K State that was a good game.
0: See that's the thing. I don't remember that game being as close as it was. It was twenty-four to twenty-two. UCLA had a chance to tie it up with a two-point conversion, but they dropped the ball uh, in the end zone, and then for the two-point conversion. And then uh, K-State got the ball and was running out the clock. And then uh, Daniel Thomas ran for like a thirty-yard touchdown to ice the game.
1: I remember the. I was at that game.
0: I was too. It, that game was awesome. The Daniel Thomas had two touchdowns. Um, twenty-eight rushes for two hundred and forty-nine yards, or I'm sorry, two hundred and thirty-four yards rushing, two hundred and forty all forty-nine all-purpose yards. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, he just was all over them, and the crowd was the crowd in that game was amazing. Oh my gosh! Because it it was the year after Snyder came back, so it was the second year back, and we we're we high hopes for. A
1: right,
0: yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. All right, that's all I got on the podcast tonight. Um, K State this weekend at home. SEMO, be there, drink water. K State's back. K State football's back. College football's back. We got plenty of games on tomorrow. Matt already said that he hopes Nebraska loses.
1: Yeah. Um, screw them. Um, go Minnesota Gophers, beat the hell out of them. And I will say, um, Nebraska's a colt, so uh have fun. Have fun losing.
0: <laughs> Do you think that um Colorado is going to hang with TCU this weekend.
1: Um I think it'll be closer than what people think, but I think they'll lose by two scores.
0: I think so too. I don't think I don't think Colorado's going to be good year 1. I think they might win six games, but they they're going to have some great crowds though. I mean, based off of the spring game, they basically sold out. <laughs>
1: yeah, um I don't I'm excited for them. But their fans are like the worst, though. That's why. Oh I my keep... gosh!
0: Yeah, no kidding. Oh, fans,
1: why are you guys awful. so shitty?
0: It's like Colorado and Mizzou. They're both terrible, and Mizzou fans are only terrible because they're, they're so Missouri. damn, they're so damn cocky with with the because they have an SEC tag on their name, but yeah. Here's here's a fun fact for you. I saw. Something I think it was OSU fan tweeted, why do we hate Missouri so much? And like universally people just hate Missouri. And I'm like, it's because they have an SEC tag and they think they're so such hot shit. You wanna you wanna know a fun fact? Since the Big Eight era, imagine K-State was terrible until 1989. The Big Eight was created in 1960, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So then Bill Snyder came and then K-State became good in like the nineties and two thousands. K-State has more eight or eight or more win seasons than Missouri since nineteen sixty.
1: And insane. Missouri
0: has had way longer time for success or much much yeah. more success in that time frame. Or more opportunity, I guess. But as bad as K-State was for 20 years of that stretch or 30 years of that stretch, K-State has more eight or more win seasons. <laughs> That's, That's saying really, something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: I believe it's like 19 for K-State and 16 for Mizzou.
1: Misery. And, then, misery.
0: and then K-State, I think, has more 11-win seasons in that stretch, too.
1: That's insane.
0: I might have to double-check myself on that, but I know for sure K- K-State has more 8-win seasons because I almost tweeted it yesterday. <laughs>
1: I think in that span from World War II to 1989, K-State
0: only had 3 winning seasons. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. Really, uh, that's that's the point I'm trying to make. Like yeah, the pers- the perspective of there is, K State has been historically the worst football program of all time, but has more eight or more win seasons than a team who is supposedly not historically bad. So,
1: uh, uh, okay,
0: word. yeah, no kidding. Okay, this has been the Locker Room Sports Media Podcast. My name is Jacob. His name is Matt. Have a great weekend. Go Cats. This has been the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. Thank you for listening.